9 o'clock. Appreciate you joining us. Happy Apache Friday. Doorstep of the weekend. It's Friday. A snowy Friday across the West. Make sure you drive safe. Looks pretty, though. Does look pretty. We're lucky to live here, aren't we? Oh, yeah. I mean, I get it today. You're going, yeah, sure, Davis. Yeah. I'm driving in this stuff right now. <laughs> I got to shovel this stuff off my driveway. Yeah. It's beautiful, Mr. Radio Guy. <laughs> From your cozy, lofty perch. Yeah. I did have to drive in this morning. So I. So did I. And I got tailgated by some. Yahoo. Yahoo in a pickup truck. And it's like, okay, I am in a four cylinder Honda CRV. You are in a diesel truck. Why do you have to follow me this close? I don't get it. Because he's being a jerk. I guess so. That's, that's, that's what, what he was he, doing. That's what he, I guess that's who he is by nature. Guess you weren't driving fast enough for him. Go with the speed limit in the snow. I don't know what you want. Maybe you me. need to go monster truck, you know, dude, and drive over your CRV just, you know, <laughs> like a monster truck show. No, you don't. You wouldn't have been down with being driven over by the, I don't think the large my, truck. I don't think my car would appreciate it very much. Well, nor would you, because that would have that wouldn't it be would very hurt, good. Probably. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't get down. People do that. It's like it's the, the weather's bad. Roads are crappy. You're driving the speed limit. Sorry, buddy. Sorry that you're not driving fast enough, Tyler, to satisfy his needs. Right. For like, wherever. And here's the thing. Half the time, people don't really. It's not like somebody's dying or somebody in the car that's having a medical emergency and they've got to get to the hospital. It's just you being a jerk when you have to do that. Come on. Don't don't tailgate people. My My favorite thing. Your favorite thing. Over one of my favorite scenes from American Graffiti. Wonderful film. If you've never watched it, please do. And great George Lucas movie. Before oh, yeah. he did the Star Wars films. Before he, he got all geeked over, you know, geeked up about Han Solo and Luke and Leia and everybody. Chewie. R2-D2. He was, he was making American Graffiti with Ron Howard and... Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford was in that Paul movie. Paul Matt. Some... some really great talent in that film Richard Dreyfus, and there's the scene and I believe it's Harrison Ford plays this guy named Bob Falfa Bob Falfa's got like a 55 Chevy Bob Falfa's like the the bad boy in town he's got his cowboy hat he's got his 55 Chevy Lamat's got his coupe and he's driving along and Bob Falfa's tailgating him and so Paul Lamatt um, just slams on his brakes. <laughs> A little brake test. Not that I encourage that, people. Please don't, because that could there, be bad. But there are times, don't you feel like doing that? Or it's just like, because you're going to get nailed for following me too close. It's not going to be my problem. No. It's going to be your problem. So get off my butt. What I tend to do with people do that, I don't do that. I just start driving really slow. That's slow down. It's like you want you want to do this. You want to play this game. Let's play this game. You want you want me. You don't think I'm driving fast enough? Oh, I can drive slower than this if you really want me to. And here's the thing. It was you know there was hardly anybody else on the road. Is the thing like if it was heavy traffic? Okay, 
That happens sometimes. You have to get a little closer. It's But it's it's bad weather today. And it's bad weather. And again, there was no one else. There was plenty of room. Somebody just being a jerk to be a jerk. It's it's kind of the driving equivalent of how if you're ever in the men's room and there's like a line of like 10 urinals and someone takes the one that's right next to you when they could have gone one or two or even three more down. Like, why are you so close I'm to I'm sure me? you're a delightful person. But. On, in normal, normal circumstances, it would be probably great to talk to you and great to meet you. Just not right not, now. This is not one of those times, though. I just give me some space here. You you should want that. I know I do. Well, I'm sorry the guy was being a jerk today. It's all right. It's fine. We'll get it. And if that it. guy's listening today, stop being a jerk and stop tailgating people. Okay? Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's, let's be grown up. It's like what you. If you feel like you need to exercise that kind of need for speed, maybe go out to the Western Slope Dragway this summer, okay? Maybe go out there. Take your truck out there. Hit the quarter mile. See how that goes. Do that. That's a good way of maybe exercising some of that stuff out of your system. All right. uh, So Vance Joseph looks like he's going to be the Broncos' next offensive coordinator. Yay. Got a text from Paul as far as VJ goes. I trust the sheriff Peyton. If he says VJ is good, is good to go. VJ is good to go. Paul, that's kind of where I have to be right now. So if he feels like that's the guy, if that was the right decision after he talked to all these these different guys, Matt Patricia and Sean Desay and Chris Richard and Rex and all these guys, okay, I have to feel good about that. All right, we didn't get to it last hour. Ran out of time. It's, uh, let's go into a little uh, four-down territory this morning. We're into four-down territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. All right. We've talked about uh, the Savannah Bananas before. So we get things going with first down. Love the Savannah Bananas. A former Major League All-Star has gone from winning World Series championships to now playing for the Savannah Bananas. Ooh. One Johnny Damon. Former Red Sox, Yankee, remember the Cleveland Indians, that um, that the Bananas shared a video of Damon, who's now 49, suiting up for a game in Daytona Beach that uh, was on Wednesday night, and uh, Damon grounded out in his first at bat. Ultimately, though, he was a winner because he got to take home the world-famous Banana Ball as a souvenir. Played Love it. 18 seasons in the big leagues. All-star selections, 02 and 05, part of two World Series teams, the 04 Boston Red Sox and the 09 Yankees. Boston, your cousin from Boston, last uh, played in the big leagues in 2012. Of course, the Bananas, they've kind of turned into the, like the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball. But it's fun. It's harmless fun. At the end of the day, isn't that what sports should be? Right. fun. But Damon's not the first former Red Sox to take the field for the Savannah Bananas. One Jonathan Papelbon did it. Six-time All-Star, by the way. That's a name. He got to pitch in a banana ball game between the Bananas and the Party Animals back in in September. And he did it wearing a kilt. Love it. Love it. Second down. Second down. This weekend's Honda Classic. 
isn't the star-studded affair like the Genesis Invitational was last weekend with the return of Tiger Woods. But um, it does have players that are stripping down. For example, you had you have uh, yesterday Austin Cook, or actually it's today Austin Cook was uh, you know had a shot that was uh, near the water, mm-hmm. and he decided to instead of he didn't he was apparently concerned about getting his T-shirt wet, which I'm not sure why it wasn't. I don't know if it was that deep necessarily, so he uh, took his shirt off and went uh, sand shirt to uh, hit out of uh, near a water hazard. See. And so, sure, the lady's probably enjoying a look at Austin Cook. I was going to say, I, I see a business opportunity here. You know, you know Live Golf is doing this whole, like, oh, we're going to play more money. And, you know, I, I'm just saying. Are they going to beefcake it up with some Live Dude golfers? Like, you know, if, if, if we were to create our own sort of golf league, you know. Shirts optional. I see an opportunity here. I'm just saying. We uh, can totally market I know this. a lot of guys in the tour, man, oh, that's a good idea. Maybe more now, right? Because guys stay in shape and they're they're in better shape. There was a time, though, where like John Daly I was gonna and say, Duffy Waldorf and guys like that. Don't tell me you wouldn't you wouldn't <laughs> pay to see John Daly. With a no, cigarette I, no, hanging I, out no, his I'll mouth. Honest, no, I wouldn't pay a to see of, John Daly. <laughs> can of Diet Coke and he's just God, out there all... God, Got you know big old rolls hanging down over the golf pants. You know he's got some tats. That would be a sight to got see. The, got the big ash on the cigarette. That'd be fantastic. All right, third and fourth down. We mentioned Russell Wilson. Ryan Leaf had some interesting insights about Russell Wilson's and the mental game associated with being a quarterback and all this stuff. The Cliff Notes version, and there's a video clip of it on Twitter, but basically Leaf, Leaf and Wilson shared a mentor named Trevor Moawad. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, Trevor sadly passed away in 2021, and this was the first season for Russ where he didn't have this mentor around him, and he was like a principal guy in, in terms of getting his mental game sharp. So... Right. That might have had an impact on Russell Wilson this year. It's a very interesting uh, takeaway from Ryan Leaf. If you get a chance, go watch it. This guy apparently was one of the first guys that Ryan Leaf talked to when he first got out of prison and tried to get him mentally yeah. back in, into the right shape. Uh, fourth down, Nikola Jokic recording a triple-double last night in Cleveland, 22nd of the season, Nuggets 22-0. and When he records a triple-double, do you know what the Cavaliers, uh, the they were uh, what they were celebrating last night in Cleveland. No, what was it? Serbian Heritage Night. Oh, perfect, perfect time for Nikola Jokic to show up. Cleveland, this was <laughs> on your schedule. You should have known. You should have known better. Well, they probably probably did. That's probably part of the reason they did it. That probably because Nikola Jokic is going to be there. Just you know, if you're going to have Serbian Heritage Night when one of the best Serbian basketball players in the world is coming to your venue, you don't think maybe, just maybe, hey, that guy might go off for a triple-double tonight. We probably should have thought this through. Here's the thing, though. He can do that almost any night. He, not just he could. Not just Serbian night. Right. He can do it on National Cookie Dough Day right. night. <laughs> National Chimichanga night. Could have done it on Star Wars night. Exactly. Know. 
full house night <laughs> honoring the legendary cast of that program. John Stamos. The J- John Stamos night. <laughs> you name it. He would probably hit for a triple-double. I just I, I think it's so funny that Nikola Jokic goes off for a triple-double on, against Cleveland on Serbian Heritage Night in Cleveland. Fantastic. All right, what's also fantastic, the Colorado Mesa women's basketball team nailing down a postseason spot in the Armac tournament. Disappointing loss on Wednesday night to Westminster. They really had to go to Western last night and get a win. Winning in. And that's what happened last night. They win 59-48 as Laura Gutierrez leads away with 15 points. She had a couple of threes last night. Olivia Reed had 11 points. Along with Monica Brooks, Tia Slade had nine points last night. And uh, Gutierrez, all those points coming off the bench, by the way, for uh, for the Colorado Mason women. But uh, Olivia Reed also 14 rebounds last night. So a double-double. She also had five assists, and she had four block shots. The freshman from Windsor is pretty darn good. Pretty good. And so after the game last night, appreciate uh, the fine work by Ethan Jordan last night, going up to Gunnison to cover that for us. Here's Taylor Wagner on the women punching their ticket to the Armac tournament. Taylor Wagner with us here. 59-48 win for you guys, and you're back in the Armac tournament. What does it mean for this young group to get into the postseason? Well, you know, experience. That's the big thing. We wanted them to get in it. Um, and I feel like we've been playing really well the last month, and, you know, if we we kind of hit the right stride and get the right matchups, you know, we have just as good as chance anybody that gets in. So, you know, I think that's the big thing with these girls. They've earned it. They've worked hard this second semester, and so I'm really proud of them. Speaking of this kind of evolution in the second semester, you guys fell to Western at home. Since then, 6-2, and two, including this win tonight. What has that development been like these last few months? Kind of take me through it. Well, you know, we... The things we were preaching in November, they're doing now. So, you know, I think they just, they need experience in the game. Um, you know, it's hard to replicate everything in practice and with officials and fans. And, and I think that's the biggest thing where they've got their growth is playing in the games and getting all these reps. And, uh, so hopefully, you know, this postseason's going to help. And what we've done the last couple of weeks, Hopefully it's given them enough confidence to go, and, and uh, we'll have to steal one on the road that first game, and the first game's always the toughest, whether you're the home team or the road team, and so pressure's not on us. We just need to go and show up. want to touch on two players tonight. Laura Gutierrez leads in scoring tonight with 15 points, 7-7 seven of seven from the stripe. How important is her energy off the bench for your group? Well, it was critical, you know, and that in the first half, I, I don't know how much she played, but the second half she comes in. And, you know, the way they were playing us and the fouls and her just stepping up and making those free throws, it just makes that cushion a little bit better when you can step up and hit those shots. Then Olivia Reed, another solid effort for her tonight. She's in double digits, picks up 14 rebounds, another double-double, but got into foul trouble again. So you managed it, left her in with three minutes. How is that going to play in the playoffs with Reed getting a little bit of foul trouble? Of yeah, you know, and that's, like I said, that's experience for her, and she's figuring it out, and I told her the best way to guard you is to have you on the bench, you know. So she's figuring that out. We've got to help her out a little bit too, you know. When You know when they're going at her, and that's when her teammates have got to help out and alleviate a little bit of pressure and, and make them kick it back out. Taylor, thanks for making the hike up here to this broadcast position. Safe travels back to Grand Junction. Thank you very much. All right, Taylor Wagner with Ethan Jordan after the Maverick women get the win last night at Western, so they are into the RMAC tournament. And for the Maverick men, they locked up the two seed last night. They have now won nine straight. 
Maverick men uh, getting the win last night at uh, Western, 83-67. to Trevor Baskin, who really got held in check by Westminster on Wednesday night, had a big game last night, 28 points, 14 of 16 from the field, and a blaze three, 24 points. He grabbed nine rebounds last night for the Maverick men as they lock up the two seed. Now they wait to see what happens. Ford Lewis has that half-game lead for the uh, lead in the RMAC regular season standings, and they have Metro State and Colorado School of Mines in Durango this weekend. They lose one of those games. The Mavericks will be the number one seed, and they'll host the RMAC tournament. Men will be playing at home on Tuesday, regardless being the two seed, but the regular season winner hosts the tournament, and that would be huge for the Maverick men. They did their part last night uh, with the victory. And Trevor Baskin, we mentioned 28 points for him last night. That number puts him at career for uh, his time at CMU, 999 career points. Right there. On right the, on the bleeding with, edge. 1,000 yeah, points in a, in a season for Trevor Baskin. Of course, his dad, John's the all-time leading scorer, but uh, Blaze Threat reached that milestone earlier this season, so Trevor's right there to, to make that happen. But after the game, Mike DeGeorge talked with Ethan Jordan about uh, the Maverick men's victory. They win tonight, 83-67. Got head coach Mike DeGeorge up here with us. Mike talked about it earlier in this week. This was not going to be necessarily an easy game. The record indicates, okay, should be easy, but travel, rivalry, weird schedule, everything kind of working against you, but you guys are able to pull it out anyway. Yeah, I was proud of the effort. You know, in that first half, we were just a little sluggish mentally more than physically, but I thought the guys really responded in that second half with, uh, with that next level of toughness and purpose. We communicated way better. And then, you know, they were really hurting us with their ball screen offense. We had to start switching. And, the, and that kind of flipped the game. With the, we did that at the four-minute media in that first half, and I thought that helped us a lot in the second half, being able to mix up switching and on the ball screen for them. Got a pretty balanced effort from at least Blaze 3, Trevor Baskin. It seems like these last few weeks you guys have started to develop an offensive system where they work better together. Yeah, you know, and again, they're both great players and uh, capable of having big nights, and they both had a big night tonight, which was awesome because... Uh, you know, we, we had tired legs and weren't getting a lot of shots going down from the perimeter. And both those guys made a lot of plays off the off the dribble. And uh, they weren't switching the 1-5 ball screen. And so we were able to get in that a lot in that second half and, and play in advantage situations with those two. I want to talk about Mac Rineker. Not a huge night in the score column, but he had that sequence where he probably should have drawn a charge, then steals the ball out of the inbound on what should have been the charge, passes it ahead, his teammate misses the shot, he goes up, gets the offensive rebound, puts it in. That sequence is just so indicative of how important he is to you guys. What is your plan for the playoffs, keeping him out of foul trouble, keeping him on the court for you guys? Yeah, if I knew how to keep him out of foul trouble, <laughs> we, we would have done it by now. But you got to take the good with the bad, and the reality is he just plays so incredibly hard, and the sequence you just uh, described happens in every single game. And in a lot of the games this year, it's been that key energy boost that we needed to get us over the top. So, you know, we don't want him to lose as a competitor to spirit by trying to teach him how not to foul. So I, I'm hoping he continues to gain better balance on how to do that. But, you know, right now we're just going to take, uh, take Mac over, over anybody because he is incredible talent and an incredible competitor. Yeah, I remember you describing him as your spirit animal. Absolutely. Yeah. Hazard of the position, though, the fouls, but... So this team that started 0-2 in Armac play, if you dare to venture back there with me, mine, yeah. MSU Denver, you guys are now the two seed. 
chance at the one seed. What has that journey been like from 0-2 to near the top of the RMAC? Well, it's really been incredible. I mean, I, I can't tell you how down I was after those two games. You know, to drop two home games to start the year and then knowing, you know, we only get to play the top three teams in the league that are so strong this year on the road after that because we lose to Mines at home. Uh, you know, it really was just like, oh, my gosh, like did we just lose the conference championship in a, in a 36-hour period um, by not having a great weekend? And so the group really rallied. And I, I don't know if I've ever been more proud of a group in terms of their commitment to getting uh, everything to the next level. And it's really been an incredible couple of months, and I'm really excited to see what we can do in the postseason. All right. How is it going to go this weekend? How is Mike DeGeorge going to take in the Fort Lewis? They play MSU Denver on Friday, Colorado School of Mines on Saturday. Both those teams are capable of beating them. Yeah. Are you going to have it on the TV? Are you going to peek at the score every 30 minutes, or is it just not going to be on anywhere? Well, it's actually my wife's birthday, so on Sunday, and we're usually playing during that. So I told her we'd have a birthday extravaganza <laughs> except for two hours on Friday night and two hours on Saturday night. So, so the, the uh, perils of being a coach's wife. But, no, we'll definitely be watching, and, uh, and we may even be putting school colors on that aren't, uh, that aren't Port Lewis's. So. Sounds good, Mike. Appreciate you taking the hike up here to our broadcast position. Safe travels back to Grand All Coaches. right, thanks for having me on. All right, Ethan Jordan, Mike to George, and happy birthday to, to Mike's wife, by yes. the way, coming up this weekend. Uh, the men will be at home Tuesday. We'll have it here on the team, CMU Sports Network. We'll take a break. And coming up next, Fruto Monument Boys play at Smoky Hill. Game time has been set 1 o'clock tomorrow for that one in the 6A tournament. We will talk with Jake Aguirre, Wildcat Boys basketball coach, next on the Team Sports Network. Who do I listen to? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader. Whoever suggested that has got to be smoking crack and plenty of it. The team. Talking Fruita Monument Boys basketball with Coach Jake Higuera on the team. Jake Higuera brought to you by the Rick Nelson Agency and American Family Insurance. For a free comparison, call this team of licensed professionals at 970-241-0078. For the Monument Boys, head to the front range to take on Smoky Hill in the 6A Sweet 16. With us right now, Wildcats head coach Jake Aguirre. Jake, good morning. How are you? Good morning, fellas. Doing pretty well. How about you guys? Doing fine. So as the uh, heart palpitations calmed themselves after <laughs> that game on Wednesday night, incredible finish. Austin Reed, it wasn't how you drew it up, but sometimes you, you adapt, you improvise, you overcome. And it was supposed to go to Daniel Thomason, but Austin Reed comes up with a shot that sends you guys on to the next round. Yeah, yeah, we've got our blood pressure back down to somewhat normal now. But, um, yeah, what a great game, a great uh, way to go off on our home floor, you know, especially with the senior boys out there. Um, but, you know, that that celebration, that good feeling only goes for so long at this time of year and then you gotta get ready to go. Um and so we know, you know, coming into this one which uh, we are gonna we're gonna have our hands full plus a little bit more, you know. Yeah, we'll talk about Smoky Hill coming up in just a moment. But uh really good performance. Obviously Austin Reed the ten points comes up with that that big shot to, to win the basketball game for you uh as you guys move on with the victory. Uh, in Max Orchard, 17 points. Uh, Daniel Thomason in, in double digits as well for you scoring-wise. Uh, really good night for those three guys in terms of helping to get you to the next round. Yeah, yeah. You know, Daniel, Daniel's daniel been doing that all year. Um, and Max has had, you know, games, you know, throughout the year where he's scored. But, um, 
you know, what he did for us, he hit big shots every time um, Fairview kind of went on a little run and was pulling away a little bit. Max would come down and seemed like he was the one hitting a big shot at the time. Jet hit a big one. Um, but, yeah, Max, you know, the, the work he's put in, you know, his mentality, he, he's built for this time of year. Um, he's very focused on on continuing, you know, this year and, and, and moving along in the playoffs. These guys want to, you know, they want to play everybody, and they, they're not backing down. So when you have guys like that, you know, with those, that mentality, he, he's a captain on our team, and it just kind of rubs off, kind of just goes off to everybody. For Monument coach Jake Aguirre joining us, the Wildcats with the two-point victory over Fairview, 60-58 to to move on to the 6A Sweet 16. And I had Austin Reed on the program, and we talked a little bit about that win and, and moving on to the next round and how, well, well, one game doesn't send a message. Certainly, though, I think for your basketball team, only 6A team on this side of the hill, it, it does let people know, look, good basketball is played over here. And if you're going to overlook Fruit of Monument, well, that, that's, that's some false thinking because this is a team that's played some really good basketball. Fairview comes over here, you take care of business against them. And for Smoky Hill, they got to respect what you guys have put together with a 21-win season. Yeah, you know, and, and that's just part of it. You know, it's, it's our boys want, they just want to play basketball. They want to play the right way. And, and when you do that, you know, it, you know, hopefully some respect gets put on you, but you know, that's, that's really, you know, we're not searching that. We're, we're trying to play the right way, play this game the way it's supposed to be played. It's a team game. I know you got superstars all over the floor on every team, um, but this is a team game, and if you play it the right way, it can, really, it can really work out for you. And when we're playing well, when we're playing unselfish, it's, it's great basketball. And when we're playing well on the defensive side of the floor, man, it's, it's great basketball. So, yeah, you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, with us winning, you know, in the future, Fruta can get, you know, more games, more teams traveling over here and, and coming down and playing us as well down here because, you know, we fight that a lot as well, um, trying to get teams over here from the eastern side and, and they just don't want to come over here. So hopefully with the squad that's in place and, and you know, it's able to continue you know, the boys are able to continue to get better and, and continue to play what, play this game that they love. Um, you know, hopefully Fruta will be on the map for a little while. Wildcats head coach Jake Aguirre with us on the Team Sports Network. Uh, 12-seeded Wildcats at uh, the five-seed Smoky Hill. Smoky Hill gets the win over Rocky Mountain last night, 80-57 to uh, 57 last night. So uh, they move on to the Sweet 16 and playing that Centennial League, Grandview won it this year, though Grandview uh, got upset by Doherty in the first round. It's a very competitive league, uh, good basketball played in that league, and a good Buffaloes team you face coming up on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, that is, they, you know, they have to play tough games all year long, and that just builds you for this time of year. So um, they do a lot of things well, man. They they run a press, and they're, they're really, they move really well side to side, and you know they they got some size on them, so um, we're going to have to take care of the ball. We're going to have to shoot it well to, from start to finish, and uh, you know hopefully our defense, hopefully we'll be able to slow them down, stop them a little bit. Um, you know it seems teams have a hard time stopping them, and after watching them, you can see why. But 
you know, hopefully we can, we can continue to, you know, push our pace and, and, uh, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll have to score. We'll have to score in this one, you know, so I think it, it could be fun. I think, you know, if it's good basketball, if we're running up and down the floor and you get some good, some good looks, they get some looks, you know, it's, you know, we can play. We can be right there. You know, we're already talking. We know we're the underdogs. We know. I mean, everyone's already congratulating me for the season, for the win, you know, and basically writing it off. And I'm just telling the boys, man, this is why they tip it up. This is why they turn the lights on on Saturdays, man. So let's go have some fun. Let's play together. You know, let's let's love this moment that we're in, and let's just make the most of it. Absolutely. Uh, Smokey Hill 19-5 and five going into the game tomorrow. And uh, Ricky Mitchell for them has uh, been their top scorer, over 24 points per game. He averages just under 6.5 rebounds per contest. He leads them in threes with 56 threes. He's a really good player, no doubt kind of the centerpiece of what they do, uh, Jake. But they've got a lot of depth in this basketball team. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But uh, Ricky Mitchell's a, a guy that you have to try to limit what he can do coming up tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're going to have to try to do. You know, it, it hasn't really happened, so um, we can't we can't take it too hard if, if that guy gets going a little bit. We're just going to have to do everything we can to cover the ball, and uh, we realize what's around around us. You know, the guys coming off the bench, the guys on the starting group, we realize it. And so we're, we're just going to have to be great on the ball and then the, the help around the ball and, and our movement. You know, we see a lot of drive kick with these guys and they shoot it. And, uh, you know, our movement, our, you know, closing out, we're going to have to have tremendous urgency on these guys and still be ready to move because these guys are good enough to shoot it and then take it right to the rack. So, um, you know, we, you know, those are the things that we're going to have to watch out for, but, you know, the boys feel ready. They seem ready. They're excited. So, you know, to, to get a tough matchup, you know, it's, it's, not a, it's not always a bad thing. You know, hopefully, hopefully the game last night wore them down a little bit, and, and then we come in Saturday, we're a little bit more fresh as well. Mitchell's a good perimeter player, no doubt about that. Kai McGrew, their freshman post is uh, obviously a young player, varsity guy is a, a freshman player, averaging 10.5 points per game, about 8.4 rebounds per contest. Challenging matchup uh, for Daniel Thomason. It, look, he's faced Caleb Ferguson, who's really good at Montrose. He's played some really good post players, and Daniel always does more than hold his own. Yeah, yeah, Daniel's ready for this. Daniel's built for this. I mean, this guy plays basketball all the time, and he's going over to Vegas and, and California and playing in tournaments there. So, you know, it's not the first big he'll see that, that can move and and so he and have size. So, you know, we're like I said, we're going to cover. We're going to work on it together. We're not going to just leave DT to cover. You know, hey, you got this guy only. You know, that's the Wildcats on him. We we've got to be aware. We got to stick our hands in there and make it hard on him. And and we also have to be really smart uh, defending on the ball. You know, when they're in the post, we can't pick up any any quick fouls and get ourselves in trouble there. We got to have guys on the floor. So you know, we're also going to have to play a game with our mind as well in this one and and you know we're gonna have to play really smart and everyone's gonna have to be smart together out there so um you know like i said 
we understand what's in front of us, and we're just we're ready to get on the road and get going. Fruto Monument coach Jake Aguero with us on the Team Sports Network. When you've watched some film on them, Jake, do they try to press a lot? What's the the style in terms of their half-court defense? What do they try to do, full-court press, trap? What does that look like on film from them? Yeah, it looks like they do a little bit of everything. They, they run a 1-3-1, three-quarter. They run a 1-2-2, you know, kind of a three-quarter, full-court thing. They trapped on misses. Um, you know, we don't see a lot of that. So you usually see it on makes or dead balls. Teams are getting in traps, and, and these guys will, will get around the ball and trap that thing on a missed shot and and try to cause problems there. So we're going to have to rebound that ball and be strong with it and turn and, and rip, and everyone's going to have to be willing to, to go with it because we can't get stuck, you know, being trapped at, in certain spots of the floor with these guys. It'll... It'll make it a tough day on us. All right, so we'll have the game tomorrow. One o'clock tip, that's what I'm seeing on chess. Is that, that correct, Jake, one o'clock tomorrow? Yeah. All right, yes, one o'clock sir, over to Smok- so. Smoky Hill tomorrow. So uh, we'll have it here on the Team Sports Network uh, for Wildcat fans and just basketball fans here on the Western Slope in general. The uh, Sweet 16 round of the uh, 6A Boys Basketball Tournament, Fruto Monument at Smoky Hill tomorrow. Our coverage will start at 1245. One o'clock uh, tip to that one, Matt Meyer. We'll be bringing that one to you tomorrow from Aurora. Hey, uh, appreciate it, Jake. You guys have a safe trip over there. Uh, some some nasty weather to have to get through, but nothing nothing uncommon for you guys to have to deal with something like that. Best of luck tomorrow. I'm not going to congratulate you on the season. I'm I'm I like your chances tomorrow. You never know what's going to happen. That's why that's why you play the games. I wish you the best of luck tomorrow against Smoky Hill, though. Thanks, man. I appreciate. It. I like that attitude too. Yeah, well, I'll congratulate you next week and whatever whatever happens on getting to the Elite Eight or a very good season for your basketball team. Sounds good, man. Thank you, guys. Take care. Jake Aguirre, coach of the Fruit of the Boys basketball team. So uh, a quick recap of what's going on because there's another, a lot. Another day, we got a lot going on. So we'll have the, the Fruit of Monument girls at Doherty, and that will start at 545 tonight. J.J. Valentine from over in the – uh, the Springs area will bring that one to you here on the team. Appreciate him doing that. And uh, so 545 for that tonight with a 6 o'clock tip on the team over on the Monkey, 95.7 here in the Valley, but uh, probably every bit as important, if not more important, 97.1 in Delta. The Delta Panther girls square off against Severance pregame at 545 for that one, and uh, you'll have that one yep. in the studio with Mark Cantor with the call from Delta High School. 6 o'clock tip for the Delta girls in Severance. And then tomorrow, we'll have coverage of the Fruit of Monument boys at Smoky Hill. Matt Meyer will bring that one to you, 12.45 pregame tomorrow, 1 o'clock tip. Plus, we got some college basketball heading your way tomorrow as well. we got uh, tomorrow morning, 9.45, Creighton uh, will score off against Villanova. So we will have that one for you tomorrow. Also, um, 3.45, we'll have uh, uh, Virginia against North Carolina. So we got that. Then we got Wildcat basketball. And then we have the Avalanche tomorrow night when they score off against Calgary. So a very, very busy Saturday right here on the radio station. So uh, make sure you go to our schedule. Check it out there at the team1340.com. All right, it's time for... That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. Back in time. All right, it was on this day, 1980. The U.S. hockey team 
beats Finland. Nope. Everybody thinks that they beat the Soviet Union for the gold medal. They beat the Soviets in the semis. Did not beat them in the gold medal game. They still had work to do for Herb Brooks and uh, Jim Craig and the U.S. hockey team. But they beat Finland to win the gold medal at Lake Placid. A 4-2 win for uh, Mike Ruzioni, Jim Craig, and the late Herb Brooks. You will take this game to your bleeping grave <laughs> if you lose. Great line from uh, Miracle with uh, Kurt Russell's Herb Brooks. 1985, Jim Kelly throws for a USFL record 574 yards and five touchdowns as he leads the Houston Gamblers to a 34-33 comeback win over the LA Express. Kelly completes 35 of 54, including three touchdowns in the final 10 minutes. Wow. And you know who quarterback the other team that day? What was who's the other team? The LA Express. Oh God. Uh, uh won a Super Bowl with the Niners. Steve Young. Steve Young. But that time had a record contract, which I don't know if he ever got paid all of it. Probably not. Also, 2006, Julia Mancuso picks up a win in the giant slalom. Uh, U.S. Uh, ski team had a very disappointing Olympics at Turan, but uh, Mancuso comes up with the giant slalom gold medal for the United States. And 2018, because we had Jackson Wilson on earlier, and for uh, Deb over at River City Sportplex. U.S. wins Olympic gold medal in men's curling in their upset of Sweden. With a 10-7 to victory Nice on this day. All right, text to call 970-242-1340. Thoughts about Vance Joseph being uh, the Broncos defensive coordinator, his return to the Broncos. Text or call us, Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line 970-242-1340. I'm a big sports addict. I like sports. 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 This is the Jim Davis Show on the team. 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. 102.1 FM, Delta Montrose. Welcome back, 943. Jim along with Cake today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. We touched on it with, with Cody Rourke. We're going to take some time here to spend uh, more more time on the, the story in The Athletic today about Russell Wilson. It's a lot. There's, there's a lot to unpack here. And it's titled Russell Wilson's First Year with Broncos. Too much influence, too few wins in disorganized disaster. Because the story's out from this story that when Wilson was in Seattle, he wanted John Schneider, the the GM, and wanted head coach Pete Carroll fired if he was going to stay there. And he, he wanted Sean Payton to be the coach in Seattle. Well, we know how that played out. Wilson gets traded to the Broncos. And Pete Carroll takes the Seahawks with, <laughs> with Geno Smith to the playoffs. So Wilson and Carroll, according to the story, you know, no surprise here because we've heard this before, had clashed in recent years over the quarterback's role in the offense and the overall direction of a team that had gradually declined after back-to-back Super Bowl appearances. And convinced, this is once again the athletic article, convinced that Carroll and Schneider were inhibiting his quest to win additional Super Bowls and individual awards. Wilson asked Seahawks ownership to fire both of them. According to league sources who spoke to The Athletic on the condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to discuss the details. That's where, according to the story, Wilson wanted Sean Payton, who had personally stepped down coaching the Saints. So, new new team, after it doesn't work out with him staying in Seattle, 
new coach Nathaniel Hackett, five and twelve season, Russell Wilson's worst season in his career, an absolute disaster of a season. And so Wilson, with the athletic release and having putting out this article, he uh, his lawyer responded to the athletic with a letter characterizing the assertion that Wilson or questioning that that. Wilson called for Carol's and Carolyn Schneider's firing as entirely fabricated. He characterized it that way, I should say. Seahawks have declined to comment. Also, Nathaniel Hackett, Broncos GM George Payton, didn't want to talk about it either with The Athletic. Wilson, as Cody Rourke mentioned, rarely responds to stuff like this on Twitter. Except today. Tweet from Russell Wilson. Hashtag Danger Russ Wilson. I love Pete, and he was a father figure to me. And John believed in me and drafted me as well. I never wanted them fired. All any of us wanted was to win. I'll always have respect for them and love for Seattle. And then it was time to get out of Dodge. Yeah, that's right. Because he apparently didn't get what he asked for, which was those two guys being gone. Now, the Athletics spoke to more than 15 Broncos players, coaches, and staffers about the season. Once again, some were granted anonymity to speak freely about sensitive topics. Many of those interviewed described a team without direction, a first-time head coach who is too accommodating. Shocker there, because we've never brought that up on this program. No, no, not once. An inexperienced coaching staff around him and a star quarterback who failed to live up to expectations after getting what he wanted. Within days of Wilson's call to Seahawks ownership, top team officials met and decided to pursue a trade other most successful quarterback in the history of the Seattle Seahawks. And then on March 8th, Seahawks leadership publicly backed Carolyn Schneider by sending Wilson to the Broncos for two first-round picks, two second-rounders, one fifth-rounder, and three players. Drew Locke, Noah Fant, <laughs> and Shelby Harris. Yes. <laughs> Wilson had a no-trade clause. He waived it because he said decided Denver's where he wanted to be. And so... The Broncos gave Wilson an office at the team facility. A rare perk. Wilson did not have an office in Seattle. And Jay Keeps, his personal quarterbacks coach, had only limited access to the Seahawks facility. Several Broncos veterans said they didn't mind Wilson having his own office, especially because the quarterback spent so much time at the facility. Cody Rourke referenced this. We talked to him last hour. That Kendall Hinton said he's got a whiteboard and sides the wall, and it's just littered with motivational quotes and new play concepts. It was crazy to see his mind thrown out on the wall. Kind of like he was some kind of conspiracy theory guy in his basement with the strings to the pictures and the documents and this timeline and on this side of the wall and Melvin Gordon, Super Bowl champion, right? Uh, What, Chiefs practice squad? Um, Melvin Gordon said the TV in Wilson's office was always tuned to NFL Network. It was just strictly football. Anybody could go to his office and was like, hey, if you want to learn extra plays, you want to go over this, you want to go over that. But from the outside, the idea of the office worked against Wilson when his on-field play failed to measure up. And the location of his office on the facility's second floor, where Broncos coaches and execs also worked, created a unusual team dynamic. The players were always on the first floor. They never really came up to the second floor, one coach said. If you come up to the second floor as a player, it honestly wasn't a good thing because you're probably getting released. 
One offensive player said Wilson told teammates he had an open-door policy with his office, which to another coach seemed a bit of a problem. So you're a coach or are you a player? Your open door should be you sitting at your locker. I could see where that creates a rift. It does. You're on the same floor as coaches, as physically. Uh, yeah, physically but on the then, same floor. But then that also creates an image of, you know, you're talking about like almost like a pyramid where here we are at the top, you know, second level is for coaches and executives. You're physically putting your quarterback at that same level that creates the mentality that he's got as much say or influence as coaches and executives, which I mean, I get that he's the quarterback and is the most important position arguably in sports, but he's still on the field. One coach, this is once again from the athletic article, he had too much influence referring to Wilson and it was mainly based on what hack it allowed him to influence. I remember the, the press conference, they referenced this when Hackett was introduced. And he makes the holy bleep Russell Wilson gushing like a fanboy that he had Russell Wilson as his quarterback. Right there, that, that probably, now we think about it, didn't set the right tone. It's fine to be excited that you've got a guy that will most likely be a Hall of Famer and Russell Wilson, but there was a fanboy. <sighs> Look, giddy. As opposed to, hey, I'm excited. We got Russell Wilson, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I'm excited about what we're going to do offensively with him. It came off as he was, now in retrospect, a little bit in awe, a little starstruck that Russell Wilson was going to be his quarterback. And so there was the perceived too much influence that the Wilson had, that Hackett allowed him to have too much influence, and that. Wilson also, Tuesdays are typically player days off during game weeks, but Wilson asked the offense to meet with him at the team facility for a State of the Union meeting on Tuesday, something he did in Seattle. And Dalton Reisner said Wilson had the offense watch film on the next opponent and kind of come to an agreement on what they're running and what we can do to beat them. Some players didn't like it. Several said it was helpful and well attended. Reisner said the meetings show the type of leader Russ is and what he's willing to do for his team. And occasionally, Wilson would show clips early in the season, would show clips of his time with the Seahawks. It was kind of like he was going down memory lane with the stuff he had done in Seattle. It was very strange some weeks. And that Jake Heaps, Wilson's personal quarterback coach, participated in those meetings. Jerry Judy said Heaps would do the sliders, to do the slides, and voice his opinion from time to time. So, okay, like I said, a lot, a lot to talk about there. A lot of it. A lot of it's, I don't think it's any, any real surprise, is it? It's, 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 the stuff that we, it's the stuff that we've heard for quite some time now. And, and, and I, 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 I tend to agree with Cody Rourke on this. At some point, we've got to let this stuff go, right? Last year was last year. Last season's over. It was a disastrous season. Did Russ have too much authority to, and yeah, maybe so. But like what Co- well, I agree with what Cody said. If you're winning, nobody cares. Peyton Manning could demand Adam Gase throw the here. Give me what you're gonna what we're gonna do here, so I can look at it and probably change some of this stuff. Right. Like it on my desk. 
it was that kind of relationship because Peyton Manning had earned that kind of relationship with his offensive coordinator. Russ coming in didn't have didn't have Peyton Manning like a Peyton Manning like aura around him, right? Of being the smartest offensive mind in the room. I think Russ likes to feel that that he has something to contribute in that category, in that department, right? But he's not Peyton Manning. Manning came in and earned it. Nobody said boo because what do the Broncos do? They won. They got to two Super Bowls. They won a Super Bowl. Russ is in new territory. We're at his welcome in Seattle. Some of that, I think, I think probably on him. Some of it on on the Seahawks and Pete Carroll. But when you have somebody that's a first time guy doing it, doing a certain job like this job, being in charge of everything, like Nathaniel Hackett was, and having this fanboy kind of relationship with Russell Wilson. It was going to lead to disaster. That's exactly what happened. We saw disaster. Worst year for us personally, as a quarterback, statistically, an awful season for the Broncos with five wins. Not good. Like I said, I don't know if this really dredges up anything new. It's a mixture of Russ has some ego. But it's also, uh, hey, I, I want us to win. I want to be good. I'm willing to, I'm committing myself to this. Right. You also get that in there, too. I said, I just don't think it covers any new ground for us necessarily. But I wanted to take the time to talk about it because it is. It's becoming, there. It's become my big deal today that he wanted Schneider and Carroll fired. Well, he got his wish. He's out of there. He's in Denver. And he's got Sean Payton. So let's up 2023 is what both those guys thought it was going to be and what all Broncos fans think it's going to be. Let us hope. Let's hope. That is our show for today. Cake, always a pleasure. Thank, Thank you. You'll you be okay about the Davis Webb thing? You're going to be okay? I'll get over I'll, it I'll check in with you this weekend. Make sure you're okay. All right, that's our show. Jim Rome's up next. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Team Sports Network.